0: I was in a store when two thugs entered and threatened the owner with shotguns. At that time, I drew my Magnum and killed them both. Then I bought some eggs and some milk and some of those little cocktail weenies. Inspector Hammer, was what you did in the store absolutely necessary? Oh yes, I had no groceries at all. This is Plausibly Live, the official podcast of the Dave Bowman Show. Well, good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, wherever you are, whatever you do... A lot of things happening in the world today, most of them far beyond our control, you might say. So perhaps it's time we took a pause and thought about life and thought about the laws of legislators, deadly force, insulin, social media. Don't touch that dial. Just try to hear me out for a little while. So a long time ago, and I do mean a long time ago, in fact, it was 1990, I can tell you that. I was coaching football for the Fleet Ballistic Missile School in Dam Neck, Virginia, Fleet Combat Training Center, Dam Neck, Virginia. We were eight and one, and we were playing that week for the base championship, and if we won, we were the base champions. And I was pretty sure we were going to win, because we were a really good team, and we'd come a long way and done a lot of good things and the team we were playing wasn't very good in fact there was a pretty distinct possibility that they wouldn't even show up so uh, I was pretty feeling pretty good about it but <sighs> this is embarrassing i thought to myself do i have all the bases covered do i have the game plan in place so i started looking at the rule book just glancing through it trying to find something where I could gain an advantage. And I want to be clear about this. That's all I was looking to do, was gain an advantage, to create chaos, to create question, to, I don't know, not cheat, but maybe not follow the spirit of the rules. I don't know. It's embarrassing, really is, looking back at it. So I came up with this incredible play that I schemed out and I had my team practice. I even talked to the referees about it because I wanted to make sure we were all on the same page. Do you get what I'm saying here? And the rule, you got to remember, this was a long time ago and the Navy was concerned about injuries in intramural sports and so one of the rules that they put in place it's going to sound strange to you but trust me it actually wasn't a bad rule and it was called the declared kick rule in other words if you declared that you were kicking the ball field goal attempt punt you couldn't they couldn't rush they couldn't uh, send people to try to block the kick in other words they didn't want people getting all tangled up trying to catch block the kick and blah 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 and so you would snap the ball, the punter, in this particular case, would step back, punt the ball. And then the rule said, when a player receives the punt or catches the punt, the ball is live. But until the receiver, until a player, and that's what it said, a player catches the ball, the ball is dead. As soon as a player catches the ball, it's live and you can go on. Now look, whether you think that rule is good or not is irrelevant to me. It was in the books, and so we had to play by it. So I, I started reading that. And I said, Wait, it doesn't say the receiving team's player, it says a player. So what if, when my punter punts the ball, instead of punting the ball down, he punts it backwards over his head. One of my players is stationed back there to catch it. And then we kind of fumble ruski our way into a trick play. Now, again, it's a stupid play. I'm embarrassed that I ever even thought of it. I mean, the only redeeming thing about this entire play is that I never called it. It was in my back pocket. We never got in a position where we needed it. We won the game anyway, and we were the base champs, yay me and us, and and I got a nice attaboy from from the captain and blah, blah, blah but this whole play was designed for one purpose you understand that this whole play was designed to manipulate rules or to not even manipulate them to reinterpret the rules into my own favor by me in other words i looked at the rules and said well <laughs> this works for me and i should take advantage the spirit of the game nobody in their right mind would have ever said to themselves hey if a punt is punted backwards and caught uh, you know, all hell can break loose. Nobody would have ever thought that. But for some reason at that particular point in my life, I did. And I'm just glad we never called, but we did practice it, but we never, we never pulled it off in a game, which was good. The idea of manipulating and interpreting rules to your own advantage is problematic, But it's even more problematic when it's not a football coach doing it. It's a freaking legislator. Here in Washington State, we have very specific laws about freedom of information that actually, in many ways, go beyond what the normal freedom of information releases would have uh, on a federal level. Here, we make it clear that a legislator cannot be sued for what they say During a debate, in other words, if it comes out of their mouth during a debate in the legislature in the Capitol building, they're safe. They can't be sued for that. They can't be held liable for that. And I think that that's appropriate. Written communication, on the other hand, and recorded conversations, on the other hand, do not fall under that. And the the people of the state of Washington have made that very clear. We. We actually say in the law, we do not give our sovereignty to the legislatures, the legislators. We retain sovereignty. We decide what information we need to know. If it's in if it's on the floor, it's on the record. So we we know it. But you can't be going behind our backs and having secret negotiations and the likes of that. Well, over the past couple of years. Freedom of Information Act's requests, the state of Washington, are being denied. Denied. Not ignored. Not, oh, we're working on it. We're trying to find the documents we want. Not delayed. Denied. And the basis for this denial is, quote, lawyers for the Washington Democrat Caucus have determined that the rules say that they can claim something called legislative privilege. And therefore, they do not have to give us this information that we have requested. Now, if you go read the law, will you see legislative privilege anywhere in the law? You will not. In fact, what you will see is there's no such thing as legislative privileges if the people request it the people are sovereign. People get it. And if you don't like that, well, then uh, don't get there. But the, the interpretation of all this has become uh, very simple. We, the people, do not allow our debates to be secret, just immune from the grounds of court action. But the legislative Democrats here in Washington state have decided that that's not what that means what that means is we can have private conversations and you don't know about it <laughs> they just started invoking it they just started doing it as if eh, you know it's not unusual it's been this way all along and we're going to start doing it and it makes you go wait what <laughs> you know if i had called that play in a game can you imagine the chaos that would have ensued for me trying a fake punt play on a declared kick in an intramural football game at Fleet Combat Training Center, Damneck. Instead of the kudos that I'd gotten from the captain after the game, I probably would have gotten written up, probably would have gotten in trouble because I wasn't being honest, forthright, and in the spirit of the rules. But... <sighs> Our legislature here in Washington, particularly in the Democrat Party, has decided that, no, we're going to gaslight people. This is the way it's always been. We can keep these conversations. Simple. We can keep them private. We can keep them hidden. And there you go. So what do we do? The difference here is I never called that punt play. The Democrats in Olympia have called that punt play. And they have told us that we have no right to see their private communications about the debates over the issues that face the people of Washington. And at that point, don't you just kind of got to say, well, number one, they're gaslighting us. But number two, and maybe this is (laughs) more important, I don't know. If I'm a Democrat in the state of Washington in the year 20 and 23, do I really want to be using the term privilege about anything? (laughs) They're calling it legislative privilege. Do I really want to do that? I mean, I get it. I understand that privilege is not necessarily a bad thing, but in the media 140 characters of the day world in which we live, do I really want to be claiming that I have privilege? As I hide what I'm talking about of the business of the people of the state of Washington? I'm just saying, probably not. But I'm also saying that this is that stupid punt play that I invented. It's cheating. It's misinterpreting the rules to my own advantage by playing Philadelphia lawyer and saying, oh, it just says a player. It doesn't say their player. Uh, Washington state legislatures need to understand that. The people are sovereign. And at some point, I don't know when that's going to be, but at some point, the people are going to say no more. And unfortunately, (laughs) I don't think that's going to be soon enough. But in the meantime, just so you know, Washington State Democratic legislators believe that they have privilege. Maybe it's time to, I don't know, (laughs) check your privilege. Hi, this is Justine, bringing you late-night talk for those that go to bed early. Listen to my podcast, What's Justine Thinking, every Wednesday and Friday on Anchor and Spotify. You might have missed this this week. I don't know how you would have. I mean, it's all over social media. It's all over everything. Did you see the video of the guy at the Houston Taqueria? So just to set the the scene here a little bit, uh, there's a Houston area Taqueria that's open late. It's 1130 at night and patrons are enjoying their food. And in walks a young man, appears to be a young man, and he has a gun and a mask. And he starts robbing the patrons. He's taking their money, their jewelry, their wallets, and he's brandishing this gun around. And there's a guy sitting at the table on the left. He's His back is to the camera. And he's fidgeting. He keeps trying to move to his his hands to his left. And not really sure what he's doing. But he keeps watching him. And every time he looks away, he he moves over here. And eventually what happens is the robber starts to move away and turns around. And the guy pulls out his handgun. And, of course, he's armed. And as the... As the perpetrator moves away from him, he leaps up and shoots the guy multiple times, killing him. Okay. I mean, you know, you talk about talk about the, uh, the concept of fuck around and find out. I mean, this is it, right? I mean, you're going to rob a, a taqueria in Texas. You just kind of have to assume that some of the patrons are going to be armed, right? I mean, that's what's going to happen. The the man who shot the perpetrator then gets up, goes over to the now dying body of the robber, takes all the loot out of his hands and pockets and redistributes it back to the people who were there who then all get up and leave, as does the robber. They just leave. And of course brouhaha ensues because now you have something to talk about. I don't have a general problem with what happened. Generally speaking, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, again, it's it's the concept of fuck around and find out. You rob a taqueria in Houston, I pretty much expect you're going to get shot. I I can't imagine, you know, it used to piss me off that people in New York City weren't protesting when, uh, was it Blomberg? Who was the mayor? Who was the mayor that came up with that stupid 32-ounce drink thing? I'm, I'm I, It used to tick me off and i used to say what's wrong with new Yorkers i don't think that's wrong with texans texans aren't going to put up with that crap texans aren't going <laughs> to texans aren't going to go well we should just sit here and be sheep they're going to shoot back it's what they do so it didn't surprise me and i don't have any real qu- problems with it but there are some questions that i think to be intellectually honest we should answer or at least try to answer we're told now that the gun that the perpetrator had was a quote fake gun does that make any difference? I don't think so because, again, if you're trying to convince people that if if you want people to treat it as real, then they should treat it as real. I mean, I, I can't tell a fake gun from a real gun, not without holding it, not without. Look, my eyes are so bad and so messed up right now. I have a hard time seeing the outline for the show. How am I supposed to tell that that's a fake gun from six, eight, 12 feet away? I can't do it. And I don't know what this guy's condition is. He looks like an older gentleman. Maybe his eyes are good. Maybe they aren't. I don't know. There's questions about the rules of deadly force. Now, I think this is where I get to my problem, which is I was trained as a nuclear weapon security guard, and there are specific criteria for the use of deadly force. And I'm not sure, watching this video, I have no idea if the man who shot the robber was trained in deadly force. I don't know. Nor do I know if the rules of deadly force actually apply in that situation. i That's the part I'm, I'm concerned about. Number one, you have to have escalation of force. You have to match force for force. The robber had not shot anyone yet. Of course, he wasn't going to because he didn't have a real gun. So where's the line on that I' don't, I don't buy the argument about shoot to, to wound or anything like that I that's not what I'm saying but if nothing had happened so far was anything in any of those wallets worth the application of deadly force now again philosophically I don't have a problem with the fact that the guy got shot. I, he, he did something stupid and he did it in a stupid way in a stupid place he you know, F-A-F-O, as they say, F-A-F-O. The lawyer for the guy that shot him, th- th- this is the part that bothers me, is the guy that shot the robber disappeared. He, they all left, all the customers left, so nobody was left there for, the, for the cops to talk about. Literally, all they had was the videotape. Um, if this is a righteous self-defense application of deadly force, do you leave? I, I don't know. I mean, there's something there that makes me question. Anyway, the guy's lawyer says that he's ready to talk now. He's ready to uh, come see the police. The police have not charged him with anything, and they shouldn't. based on Based on the evidence of the video, I wouldn't charge him with anything. But it's also Houston, which is a very liberal enclave in a conservative state. So who knows what's going to happen with all this? Lawyer says he's ready to talk. I don't know what he's going to tell him other than, yeah, the guy was robbing us and I shot him. See what happens. Will we learn anything ultimately from this? Mm, And what will it be? I'd like to think that what we will learn from this is that robbers, potential robbers, will go, "Mm, better not go where people might have guns. Better not go where people might have concealed permits or open carry, because they might um, shoot back at me. Even if I don't have a real gun, they may feel threatened enough that they're going to shoot back at me. I have a suspicion, though, that the reaction to this is going to be, we need stricter and better gun control. And until we get that, well, you know, we're just going to keep passing laws. And maybe down in Texas, you know, who knows? The the legislature there probably isn't going to pass them. But maybe the city of Houston, who knows? All I know is if you FAFO, you better be prepared because in Texas, at least, people are going to shoot back at you. I'm Bill Meck with WMMB Radio in Melbourne, Florida, where we have a governor that will actually stand for what's right. My show airs mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern. Every day we discuss news, politics, and social issues that impact us all. Tuesdays in our 8 o'clock hour, Dave joins me for something we call Dave Does History, where Dave brings us events from our past that contain lessons for right now. To listen live, find WMMP on the Guy Heart Radio app. So as you may be able to tell, um, I actually had two more segments I was going to do today, but I am not feeling well at all we talked about this briefly on WTF on Sunday um, and I don't know what's related to what I don't know if my blood sugars are so out of whack I did get it down from the 409 of yesterday so so that's a positive right but if you're watching the video you can probably tell that I'm I'm not doing well I am not feeling well and I don't even know what feeling good means anymore there was a time last summer when I was feeling the best I'd felt in a long time. But there you go. I'm not eating badly. I am exercising. So yesterday's rant, today's rant, more than just wham, more than just me whining. Uh, I said in 2008, and I continue to say, there was nothing wrong with our healthcare system. That entire effort, Obamacare and subsequent changes to that, have been simply to put more government bureaucracy into our healthcare system, to put more barriers to actually getting to healthcare care. Into the system than than were before, and they have succeeded in doing so in such a way that um, I'm not doing well right now. I'm not sure what this is going to mean going forward. Uh, I, I got to get. I've been in contact with my doctor this morning already, and he's supposed to be working on some alternate plans. We'll see what happens going forward. But I'm going to cut this a little short because I am really not feeling well, and I need to go lay down for a few minutes i'll do all the best i can i'll carry on the best i can and i will see you tomorrow 5 a.m pacific time assuming i'm still able to do it uh for dave does history on bill mick live see you tomorrow everybody have a great day